Straight from the hip, straight from the heart with Jim Chapman on 94.9 FM CHRW. And we're back with more on the program. Bob Metz joins us. Nice to see you, sir. A couple of different stories to uh, discuss with you today. And this this one kind of caught my eye. And I thought, now, Bob's, Bob is exactly the guy to talk to about this. This Uh-oh. is a story that purports to suggest that liberalism in North America is on the wane because the birth rates of liberals are on the wane. That sounds a little silly at first, but let me explain a little bit about why they think this could be problematic. The story notes uh, the story notes that voter turnout continues to be apathetic in uh, in the, the Western world, United States and Canada in particular. Although voter turnout is held to be synonymous with good citizenship, Arizona is considering a voter lottery, which we told you about. In some places, um, Australia, notable among them, you uh, are fined if you don't vote. But there are still a lot of people, me included, who think it's a very bad idea to bribe someone to vote. You have the right to vote. If you choose to exercise that right, fine. And if you don't, that should not in any way affect the... uh, affect your ability to do so in the future if you change your mind. However, uh, particularly on the left, one of the solutions for this is seen to uh, raise the youth vote. Let's get more young people involved. Uh, and that is, uh, that, that's an interesting idea, except that the number of people, <laughs> the number of young people is declining in the United States. Um, birth rates are indeed falling, and they say that liberals... If they categorize liberals, if they did this survey, um, they found that uh, they just are not replicating themselves. If you picked 100 unrelated politically liberal adults at random... That's a funny story. <laughs> well, you find... They said that they, 100 unrelated politically liberal adults at random, you would find that between them they had 147 children. So that's a 1.47 rather than the two that you would that you would expect. Oh, no, that's wrong. That's No, don't do it that way, Jim. Never mind that. Forget that. Un- they're unrelated. Okay. So the, the 100 of them had 1.47 children. If you picked 100 conservatives, they have 208 kids. That's a fertility gap. My gosh, we have a fertility gap of 41%. Given that about 80% of people with an identifiable party preference grow up to vote the same way as their parents, this gap translates into a lot more little Republicans than Democrats to vote in future elections. Over the past 30 years, this gap has not been below 20% explaining to a large extent the current ineffectiveness of liberal youth voter campaigns today. Today. Alarmingly for the left, the gap is widening at a bit more than a half a percentage point per year, meaning today's problem is nothing compared to what the future may hold. Uh, Jurisdictions that were split 50-50 between left and right in 2004 could easily tilt, according to these numbers, uh, by 4, 5, or 6% both ways, so 5 or 6% more for the right. Less for the left. By 2002, you're talking almost 60% right. A little over 40% left. Does any of this mean anything to you? I mean, it's kind of a funny story, but does anything, anything mean anything to us? Should we be concerned? Should we be thinking about this? Should this be on our radar? Uh, the story is, is funny, but the story between the lines is tragic. It basically is the same as what you would hear about a religion. You know, that religious numbers are going down because people are not uh, multiplying enough in that religion. Which essentially tells you that the bottom line is people don't think about their religion and they don't think about their politics. They just vote 
you know, based on ancestry and who who, who voted before. And I think that speaks uh, terrible things about politics that people don't even give that much consideration to the party they support. You know, when you first said there's liberalism down, I thought you were talking about ideas. Maybe that's not what they're doing. Maybe that's maybe it's not simply well my dad voted that way so I will. Well, that's what it, the story says. Well, not so exactly. I'm just going by that no, it doesn't. No, the, all the, what the story says is traditionally eighty percent. Now let me find that. I want that quote exact. It says traditionally eighty percent of people with an identifiable party preference grow up to vote the same way as their parents. I don't think that necessarily means that they grow up as little automatons. It may simply be that they grow up and appreciate the same things their parents have appreciated about that part of the political spectrum. And Because 20% don't. Now, don't forget, 20% of them say, no, I don't like what my parents like, so I'm going to go and vote somewhere else or some in some other way. Yeah, I, I can see that there'd be some people. I mean, my, my experience, how many people out of 100 people are actually interested in politics, even if they do vote one way all their life? How much concerned if they actually give to politics. I'd be surprised it was 5% of the population. But they selected the people that they did this survey from, from people who are politically identified, people who identified themselves as, as liberal or conservative. Mm-hmm. So these are not, this is not the great unwashed. This is among the people who profess political beliefs. Um, the uh, the liberals are having significantly fewer children. Than so the then look at the secondary story. Then if it's true that because of declining birth rates, the number of liberals are going down, then what? They don't have anything else to appeal to another uh, demographic somewhere besides indoctrinated, <laughs> you know, people well, that come out of the same same line. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm getting at. And the, I guess the corollary to that might explain why parties are so desperate to try to win over the allegiance of immigrants to well, both Canada and the United States. New immigrants and in large parts that young people don't have uh, uh, previous allegiances. I'm finding that uh, remarkably with my party, Freedom mm-hmm. Party. I'm getting to be the old guy there, mm-hmm. right? And that, which is a good sign as far as I'm concerned because mm-hmm. I, used, I used to be the young guy. Now I'm the old guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's... Uh, you can see a change there, but people still believe in a fundamentally a two-party system. I know we've got three, but you know it's, it's basically either or. And until they get their heads out of that, you know, unless they actually understand what they're voting for, it's just basically status quo most of the time for most people. But the status quo will change if the right begins to amass real power. Will it? You don't think it will? Not really. You don't, I don't think the agenda anything. of the right is significantly different than the agenda it, of the left? In a few places, certainly in foreign policy. Uh, not so much domestically. I don't see a big change uh, that, that it would impact the populace that greatly. I think you'd see some minor improvements here and there. I would hope you'd see some disimprovements here. But any major fundamental change, I haven't really seen that coming out of the conservatives on a, on a domestic level. Do you think perhaps this whole issue... Uh, has more to say about the decline of the society as a whole than in it with any particular political... If you'd, if you'd been talking about liberalism as an ideal, you know, in the sense mm-hmm. of... Because uh, I'm a liberal in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tolerance of other people, other races, other ideas. You believe in the right to disagree as being something ba- fairly fundamental in a society that, you know, if you and I disagree about something, we can go our separate ways. We don't have to beat each other up mm-hmm. over it. Um I sort of associate many of those things with small l liberalism, and in that sense, uh, we see that dying too. But that's uh, that's not that's not a political party <laughs> yeah. uh, thing with me or a definition. It's more got to do with um, I think uh, people just not understanding uh, their history, 
the philosophy upon which the history was based, the philosophy upon which uh, totalitarianism is based, upon which freedom is based, and anything in between. Most people don't understand that. Uh, for most people, politics is just about what are you going to give me? Or what's it going to cost me? You know, <laughs> one or the other. Depending, depending <laughs> Two sides on how, of the same Depending point. on how sharp your, your, the That's blade right. is in your, yes, in your right. scabbard. Yes. And until enough people hurt, you don't see big changes. You know, like you have to have quite a lot of people dissatisfied before uh, it tips. You get to that tipping point. But the, uh, the, one of the questions or one of the concerns expressed in, the, in this report on these changing numbers is that one of the things we've had in both the United States and Canada, although it's a little more hard to see here, but we have had a relative balance between left and right. Um, the, we've had a, the great centrist party has ruled this country for most of its life because it because there is a big center. There's a, quite a large center in Canada. The Liberals have been very successful at moving back and forth to cover as, as much ground in the center as they can. In the United States, the center has seemed to be smaller. It has been more partisan, but they have, I think, rather wisely, as a people, not as legislatures, because there's no legislation about it particularly. Well, there is now, but uh, they've resisted th third parties. There have been third parties, but the Americans have largely resisted them and stuck with two. Uh, I sometimes wonder if that is almost a tacit uh, admittance by the, even the average American. He understands that if we're going to have have a country that's a little bit polarized, as ours is, that we better make sure that the polarity really can only go two ways and various various levels of the two ways. But if we start having a party for this and a party for that and a party for that, so we're, you know, we're going to end up like Italy and, and be nowhere politically. But if, this, if, if these numbers are accurate and they suggest that within a generation we are going to see significant numbers of people abandoning a long-held and uh, very powerful political philosophy in the West, in North America, uh, in favor of another very powerful and long-held political philosophy, that, and I'm saying this at the grassroots level and not necessarily at, here's, a, here's an aberrant, Election uh, Nixon in '72, for example, who won a, a massive election, or '68 won a massive election, but an, ab an aberrant election. I mean, it, it was not. There were certain reasons for that that didn't have to do with his hard right demeanor. Uh, absent that, though, if you've got a history that seems to be unfolding before you, where you've got large numbers, large numbers of small C conservative voters. That can't help but change the whole nature of the country. And here's what would concern me as a political observer. The larger the group of the disenfranchised becomes, the more problematic it becomes. If there were a, a, a million people in Quebec, we would not have had the kinds of problems we've had with Quebec over the last 150 years. We simply would not have had them. There would have been, they might still have had problems. There would have been other ways to approach it, other things we might want to have done to it. But in the United States, they've more or less balanced the four, the competing forces. Uh, this suggests that that balance is going to go out the window. Does that not worry you? Um, it does in some ways, particularly since the trend, and again, I see the trend in all parties, but at different rates, is towards more government, more government control of the economy, more government control and banning of everything from chemicals to hairsprays. I mean, it, it, that's just the way it's going. That's not a healthy trend. Um, government does have a very important role, even in the freest of societies. And unfortunately, when the government gets into the distribution game and into regulation game, it cannot, by definition, even be a free society anymore. But I think 
fundamentally behind all your arguments as, as to what's being supported politically is a belief that people are actually voting for something when they go out there to vote. My experience has been that people vote against what they're most afraid of and take the lesser of a given number of what they perceive as evil and they say so in their own words. You know, I'm voting liberal because I hate those darn conservatives and I'm voting conservative because I hate those darn liberals or whatever. And that's where I would say that the people who are actually saying, yeah, I'm voting liberal because, man, I love liberal philosophy. I love their policies because you name me one or two. And if you can find them on a book or written anywhere, please send it to me <laughs> via email immediately because I've never seen such a document. Um, but basically people just vote on this on a sense, on their feeling, on their, on some sort of a sense of uh, which government would they be more comfortable with? What values do they see in a particular government? But it isn't. But if it and is all about too much values, hypocrisy. But if it is all about values and if it isn't a polarized state, those questions are not nearly as as, as difficult to answer in, in the United States as they are in Canada. In Canada, who are the liberals today is always a valid question. Um, how far to the left are the NDP well, how today? Do you mean, how do you mean it's more difficult? Just because we have three parties? Yeah, no, I think I think just our traditions. Are, in the United States... I see uh, I see very little difference, really, between our liberals and New Democrats and, and, uh, and the Democrats south of the border. Well, I think, I, I, mean, think, I think the big difference is that the Democrats south of the border tend to have a, a much larger, and I don't have numbers to back this up, but I believe it's true, a much larger core than, uh, than the liberals and the NDP do. I think in this country we very much do vote against parties. I'm not so sure that's well, what happens. Yeah, and that's a natural outcome of the way their whole electoral system works. In fact, people register as Democrats or yeah. register as Republicans way in advance, so they yeah. already have ideas of what, what party they're registered at. In the States, the party system is part of the electoral system. In Canada, it is not, no. and people don't understand that. Mm -hmm. it, we just It's not even in law. You won't find a, a law anywhere except in regulating parties mm -hmm. about political parties. They're mm -hmm. just a convention, mm -hmm. and a, a practical one, and, and uh, a necessary one. And that's why they're there. And that's why they're there, but they're not they don't have a status um, beyond that convention in law that that, that relates directly to a, a, a voter or taxpayer who registers under a certain party well in advance. So you've got a different structure in place, which also, by the way, makes it extraordinarily difficult for green parties, libertarian parties, and parties of that nature to even get their. Yeah, but I want to get back to where I was, though, when I was saying about trying to identify the parties in Canada. You try to, uh, you know, you, you, you're saying you're looking for the party. Okay, I'm not happy with this party. What's the other party? They know that in the states that I, I don't think that's very often an issue unless the parties remake themselves which they do from time to time mm -hmm. but right now you know, it's pretty clear who the democrats are it's pretty clear who the conservatives are or the, who the republicans are it's somewhat less clear in canada i think uh, harper has probably been the, been the most clear and concise leader we've had for a long say, time that's the next you, issue what, is leadership whether you agree or disagree with him i think you know right. there's, there's no question he's a much more decisive guy than than martin ever was and then the Kretchen was most of the time and even mulroney most of the time Mulroney was a great negotiator, a great backslapper, a great, well, you know, you know, what do you want to hear today kind of guy. Mm -hmm. You have to go back a long way in Canadian history to find a prime minister who stands up and says what he thinks the way the way Harper does, and, and it may very well doom him. I'm, well, if it does, that would be unfortunate because I believe in polarized po uh, politics because that's the only way you can choose between one and the other. Mm -hmm. So what people usually do in the absence of their fundamental understandings of the parties is they go to the leadership issue. And the leader, that's why he's so important, he has to represent... Uh, basically, like the queen represents the crown, you know, uh, he is the figurehead of 
the embodiment of what that party represents. So when they're choosing that person, they have to be very careful. It's not an easy choice. You're not going to get somebody perfect all the time. But that's uh, something identifiable that people do relate to as the leader. And that's why a leader can make or break a party by the statements he makes, by the policies he leads the party into. Um, and, you know, in the same party, you could have two, two different leaders going in slightly different directions. So uh, you can't always, especially under parties that don't have firm policies on one issue or another, uh, tell exactly which direction they're going to go unless you see what the leader says. And I think uh, Harper, having polarized himself, uh, uh, particularly on a few issues, and that's what happens south of the border, too, by the way. It's not everything's polarized and they pick you pick your issue right no, exactly right and and so that's why you can't really have more than two or three issues r- coming to the top in any election because uh, people just don't focus on that many the same thing happens uh, to the issues as happens to the breakdown of the political uh, masses when you get down to the lower numbers and you get into issues that just affect smaller groups of people we're talking with bob metz this morning and we'll be back in a moment or two to take a look at a little flurry within the liberal party and what some of its implications may be Please Please do stay with us, and we'll return with more right after this. Bob Metz with us today on our daily Wednesday go-around. Jeff Schlemmer will return next week, he tells me, and we'll be glad to have him back with us today. This past uh, Monday, the Liberals, the Liberals, arrived in Vancouver for policy discussions. And and renewal, always a handy word with party. Renewal. We're going to work on renewal. The interim leader, Bill Graham found himself uh, (laughs) in a spot he didn't want to be in. He was trying to deal with criticisms that uh, one of his MPs sort of breaking away from the hold is, or from the fold is, illustrates once again there's no party discipline. And even in a party without without a firm leader, that's not a good thing to have. Graham told reporters, and I'm quoting here, we don't have ironclad discipline around our members. Nobody's got them loaded up in a bus and thrown away the key. Well, they can't do that because Kretchen took the key with him. However, That's what I was going to say. That doesn't sound like the liberals I used yeah, to know. <laughs> yeah, took the key with him. The latest problem is Boris... Uh, I'm going to say this. Vizhnevsky, I think it is. Vizhnevsky. We mentioned Mr. Vizhnevsky the other Vizhnevsky. Uh, the other day, the associate foreign affairs critic who was in the Middle East, was in Lebanon, and said he didn't understand why the government can't communicate with Hezbollah even though it's a, a terrorist organization in this country. He also apparently accused Israel of state terrorism, and when asked a direct question when he was over there whether uh, Hezbollah should be removed from this list, he said something to the effect of, I can't think of any reason why not. Well, uh, one good reason might be that your government uh, doesn't hold that position. However, it's a free country. You're free to say what you want. Liberal leadership candidates quickly denounced his comments and took some shots at each other, as you might affect, to shift the, some of the issues in the campaign around. Carolyn Bennett and Scott Bryson called for uh, Mr. Vizhnevsky's resignation as party critic. Here's where Bryson says, and I love this. This is great. The Liberal Party is the only party with a proven capacity to form a government. Uh, any of you guys ever hear of uh, Brian Mulroney? Uh, our standard is higher. <laughs> Ab scam? Yeah. Our standard is higher, and that requires a discipline both in opposition and in government. Clearly, Boris has failed that test. Okay. Bryson says, the last thing we need in this issue are misguided, uninformed, and increasingly dangerous comments. Although we have, can and have used them in the past and many other issues to great effect. Uh, Bennett attacked Brzezinski for saying that our support for Israel and for her right to self-defense is a constant, talking about Canada. 
She called on Gerard Kennedy, who's being backed by Vishnevsky, to disassociate himself. Kennedy said, well, he doesn't support the remarks, but he wants to hear more about what actually happened. And on and on and on it goes. Well, you know, and it, and it raises another whole story here. A whole another whole question here, uh, uh, Bob. This guy's a free man, a free Canadian. Mm-hmm. Does he not have the right to go to Beirut and observe what's going on and say, you know, I think maybe things might be better if we negotiated with Hezbollah? Doesn't he have the right to say that? Yeah, absolutely. Does he have the right to say that and continue to sit as a liberal member of parliament? That's up to the Liberal Party. You think so? It depends on their rules and whether, uh, you know, I remember when the Reform Party was going, apparently they were telling her candidates you can say anything you want, except just don't say these four or five things. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't really a rule on other things. Mm -hmm. Um, it It really depends on the party. Now, having said that, I think his particular opinions on this are, well, obscene, if you ask me. But then, having said it, he has the freedom to, then he also has the freedom to be judged, according to what he said. And that's when you start seeing them squirm. And you're seeing a lot of backtracking on people, you know, attacking Israel in the most inappropriate of times. I mean, if of all the times you could pick in history, this is not the time to pick on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they would even dare do so tells me more about the accuser than anything that they're saying. Well, what do you think got into? Tone. What do you think they got into, Mr. Wojnarski, in that situation? That I have no idea. Far from home and disoriented and viewing undeniable carnage. There's a lot of um, moral relativity in society where there are actually people who don't believe there's a difference between right and wrong, good and evil, that these things don't exist, or that if they do, that they're religious in some way, which is not true either. There are good and evil, right and wrong. And the inability of some people to tell the difference leads them to believe that there's no difference between a Hezbollah and a state of Israel. And I think that in itself is the nature of of evil. You know, you've seen many moralistic shows that tell you that the most evil thing you can do is deny deny that evil exists. Mm-hmm. That's almost one of the underlying themes of a lot of religion. Even you know, to to you have to acknowledge that evil exists, although sometimes they get a little bit literalist about it. But um, what can I say? I mean, the guy's in the wrong. He should be censured for what he's saying. But I don't know about the rules of the Liberal Party. I'm not there to call that shot. As this uh, unfolds, uh, certainly these guys know they speak for people in Canada. There's no question they have a constituency in Canada. Uh, I've talked to people. I don't know if you mm-hmm. have, but I've talked to people who feel this way, that we should, be, we should take Hezbollah off the terrorist list because they, they do good works. Oh, can I speak to that point? By the way, that's one of the major tactics of any totalitarian uh, terrorist group and even organized crime like the Mafia. What they do is they first deprive the people of making a way on their own, and then they throw parties for them and they give them goodies, and then the people actually welcome their oppression. It's a vicious cycle. It's like drug addiction, somebody giving you heroin. Somebody mentioned the other day that Al Capone kept the soup kitchens uh, open. He did that, and in New York City there were all kinds of mafioso that would put on fireworks displays against the law right in the middle of downtown Manhattan, and the crowds would cheer them, even though on the day before the guy was indicted for triple slaying or something like that, right? And so when you see that kind of in fact even some famous actors and actresses went on on record you know defending murderers and killers Mm -hmm. and so you sit there and you wonder what is wrong with these people and now we've got millions of them not just one or two or three that can't tell the difference between something so basic um that there is a difference between using force to defend yourself and using force to attack somebody to get something that doesn't belong to you my god if you don't know the difference between that you don't know nothing (laughs) Do you think this will 
go away? Do you think these people will recant? What's your what's your which what's your gut sense? Which people are we talking Wisniewski about? and Carolyn Bennett and the the liberals who made these comments? Do no, they will be forced I, to recant. Well, they might be forced to within their own camp. Uh, whether depending how how much their own convictions push them along in their own uh, field, they might come out in some other. You know, uh, like what, like Sheila Copps did. You know, she kind of left the, the Liberal Party, and now she's a journalist saying all the uh, same thing. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. So uh, this could happen. And as the well. pride of the profession, may I say? Yes, yes. I think you're sarcastic about that. Aren't you, you think? Yeah. Really? You think so? <laughs> Uh, so that leaves us really. We're just about out of time today. Too. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how fast the time goes. Um, that leaves us then with the. Uh, you're not as concerned about the rise of the right as uh, the author of this article was. No, I really wish there was a rise of the right, but. Yeah. Uh, well, he says all you have to see. do is hang on. Demographically, it's coming. Okay. Well, I'm waiting. It's I'm, coming. I'm ready. I'm okay. ready. <laughs> and Hezbollah stays on the uh, on the restricted list in your book. Oh, absolutely, right. absolutely, and it's not because you know a lot of people. I'm even seeing seeing coverage that, that they think that because Hezbollah is not as strong as Israel, therefore. It's the underdog or something like that, as though that has anything to do with anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's That's kind the of underdog over there. <laughs> He's I, having a good time. I brought my dog under to work today. Yeah. His name really is Underdog. Is it really? Well, <laughs> sort of. That's what I call him. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Jim. Always a pleasure. Thank you, folks, for being part of the program today. Now, tomorrow on the program. This is where I always stop. Tomorrow, join us tomorrow for... I don't know what will be on tomorrow because I don't know what the news will be tomorrow. But you can bet that I'll spend much of the next 23 hours looking for that news and trying to make some sense out of it and putting it all together and bringing it to you so we can share it about 11 o'clock tomorrow. Chris Seinel may be dropping in. We don't know for sure. We hope that he does. Sometimes he does on Thursdays. Whether or not Chris drops in, we'll have lots of information for you. And don't forget on Friday, it's Contact Friday and maybe some trivia as well. So... Please do get out there and enjoy what's left of this summer. Isn't it feel terrible to say that? We're in the last couple of weeks of August. It does not seem possible. But it's true, ladies and gentlemen. It is true. So get out and enjoy. Make the most of it. And I'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow at 11. Don't forget you can reach us anytime with your criticisms or comments. Jim Chapman at Rogers.com. Time for Bob Metz and the underdog. It's Jim Chapman saying, please take care of each other and mind how you go. God bless. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this presentation, visit www.justratemedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing. It's just right.